We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In a clip from Sunday's game against the Chiefs that's since gone viral, Odell Beckham Jr. is seen and heard whispering to Lamar Jackson, reminding him just how much he changes the game when he takes off and runs. Yeah, and Lamar himself has since responded to that clip on Instagram, so we'll show you what he had to say there. Meanwhile, both RG3 and Torrey Smith are stepping up and going to bat for number eight as he just faces an avalanche of criticism that's seemingly coming in all different directions this week. Yeah, good for them stepping up for him. I'm Sarah Ellison alongside Bobby Trossett. It is Thursday, February 1st, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault, presented by our newest brand sponsor, Manta Sleep. So, Chiefs tight end, yes, this is still a thing. Travis Kelsey went on a profanity-laced rant in response to he and Patrick Mahomes' pregame exchange with Justin Tucker prior to Sunday's AFC title game. Plus, now that Mike McDonald is on his way to take over as the next head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, his former players are weighing in, and there's also some rumors as to who could be going with him out to Seattle. This staff might get raided. We'll get into it. We've got all that more coming up. Thanks for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. So first and foremost, let's get to the clip from inside the NFL on the CW that shows, like we mentioned in the intro, the exchange between Lamar Jackson and Odell Beckham Jr., initiated by OBJ, which we now know was in the first quarter. There's nothing about this clip that you'll watch that states that, right? I don't think there's anything that shows it's in the first quarter. No, in fact, some people thought it was later in the game. Yeah. Right. Lamar has confirmed, we'll get into that in just a second, what he had to say, but this was in the first quarter, and it was OBJ taking the time to go over and talk to him uh, as the game started to unfold. You change the whole dynamic of the game when you take off. We got to get you going on. What the f*** going on? So, first clip, and just, just once more. You change the whole dynamic of the game when you take off. We got to get you going on. Or what the f*** going on? So, reminding him, like you said, what he means to the game when he takes off and runs, right? When he, when he obviously takes what the defense gives him, and then also kind of expressing what we were all feeling at home. Like, what is going on? Not only with Lamar's reluctance and, and their sluggish start, but like, 
we're not running the ball. We're not establishing our identity. Like what's happening? And so SportsCenter put up an Instagram post that had the quote of OBJ. You know, you change the whole dynamic of the game when you take off, like what the F's going on. And then Lamar literally within the first 15 minutes of this post, and I just happened to catch it. I was just scrolling through Instagram and saw that that at New Era 8 had commented. And so for those of you in the YouTube space, you see Lamar said it was the first quarter with a shaking, you know, shaking of the head emoji, chill with these videos and a laugh emoji. So what about him clarifying that it was the first quarter had you thinking one way or the other here? Um, well, regardless of when OBJ said that, um, you know, it, what, what more my reaction was is that OBJ was seeing what many who were watching the game were seeing. And that's that the Ravens were, were like clipping their own wings, so to speak. Right. So whether it was the coaching staff, not running with the running backs, not having designed runs, or if it was Lamar just choosing not to run if nothing was there. So uh, to me, regardless of when it was said, it was like, yeah, o OBJ saw what, what many of us saw. Um, now, initially, some people thought it was edited to look like it was the first quarter, and they felt like, hey, that's probably at the end, because to them, it was like it would be worse if OBJ said something in the first quarter and things still didn't change. And I think that is what's kind of like baffling is kind of the word to me, because now we know that OBJ said that to Lamar, and we also know that John Harbaugh said at halftime we need to get the run game established. And so it's just baffling that it never really happened. You know what I mean? Well, it's all, I think it was pretty baffling to Lamar as the game unfolded too, like not just the way that it was happening, but certain specific plays. And here's another clip of him responding specifically to the strip sack, which led to, of course, issues. For the Ravens, like it was just the first of of many issues. Texas beat under pressure hit. Ball is loose, and Kansas City recovers the ball. That was sick. Damn, that was sick. That was a touchdown. That's damn strip sack. Should have been 14-14 right now. It's great, bro. We get back out there, we scoring, bro. So you hear him, right? He's saying that would have been six. That would have been six. And it would have been had he hit Rashad Bateman, who was wide open prior to Ronnie Stanley getting beat and beat badly. So again, the, maybe not the first of, of things that went wrong because a lot went wrong prior to that, right? Whether it was the pregame antics that sort of got the Ravens off their rhythm or the lack of the ability to establish the run. But you get my point, right? I mean, that was clearly uh, one of those tide-turning moments. Yeah, well, <laughs> they're like re-watching re some of these clips is just like for some Ravens fans reopening the wounds. Personally, I just like to look at the the devastation in the eye, right? Look at it, kind of diagnose it, figure it out, see if you can like, I just want to make sure, you know, it's like accurate as we move forward and, and all of that, but I know it is hurtful. So um, one thing that I wanted to read though, and this was RG3, RG3 put out... Um, a nine-thread tweet. I'm not going to read all nine of them. But uh, it's, once again, I feel like RG3 has been pretty right on with Lamar for most of this year. Um, maybe we need to try to revisit with him, Bobby, coming on the show. I know we couldn't find the time uh, after the, 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 the divisional round. But um, I, I really liked what he said, especially one part that I've kind of been thinking as to, because everybody's trying to, like, figure out why. why. Well, first of all, why didn't the, the coaching staff run the ball more 
And then the second question is, is why didn't Lamar scramble when it was there? So everybody's got their theories on it, but I, I kind of like what RG3 had to say. So first, so I'm going to read four of the nine. He said, the first one is, the Ravens did what they were supposed to do and surrendered Lamar Jackson with his best team ever. Lamar's unbelievable touchdown pass to Zay Flowers in the first quarter of the AFC Championship game was both spectacular and a sign of how much better this O can be. Okay, so that's like the first. He's he's starting out being like the Ravens did the right thing by getting the right pieces, and then he goes on to say, which I'm not going to read the whole thread, but he goes on to say the, that the Ravens need to do that again. I 1,000 percent agree. One th like like it having those weapons 100 percent helped the passing game. It, the Ravens, notwithstanding the AFC Championship game, if we're talking about the season as a whole, especially since the bye, the Ravens became a much better balanced team. Like the the passing game was a real threat. Okay, so let's do that again. Who I don't know what the pieces will be. We'll talk about that throughout the offseason, but do it again. Okay. Then another tweet says, if you really watch the tape, and this is the part I really liked, Lamar's patience in the pocket against the Chiefs wasn't anything new. Lamar wasn't trying to prove he could beat a team with his arm. He was simply going through his progressions to let his guys work open, just like Zay Flowers did on his TD. Bobby, that one speaks to me more than some of the theories that are out there. There, and maybe that, and I could be wrong. Lamar's the one who can speak to this, right? But one thousand percent. Think of the Jaguars game where Lamar hit likely after Lamar escaped a sack. After he escaped the sack, he could have gone and run. He didn't. He reset, and he threw it to likely. And the same thing happened with this with this um, Zay Flowers touchdown. He escaped a sack. Instead of running, he reset and then hit Flowers. So a lot of people feel like Lamar's critics were in his head, and maybe that's why he didn't run, and he wanted to prove he could, he could win by passing. That's just never been Lamar. Lamar has said he prefers passing to throwing, for sure. But he's also said, I like to take what the defense gives me. So, uh, so I kind of agree with RG3. This is, has been a theme this year that he'll extend a play to throw rather than ex extend a play to then run, that we've seen that more often than not. Now, that being said, I still feel like in this game, I wish he had run. Right, I wish he had, but I'm speaking specifically to like the theories of why he didn't. I agree with RG3 saying he's been doing that all year, and then he and then what he's saying based off of his knowledge as a quarterback, a dual threat quarterback, he's saying as I watch it, he's simply going through his progressions to let guys work open, like Zay. Anything you want to respond Sarah, to? Sarah, can I just yeah, I just want to interject on one thing. Can that strategy extending the play to pass? Can uh -huh. that be defined as? having a reluctance to run. Extending the game. I, I don't know. Like to, I don't, I don't define it like that. The way now, whether he Lamar was able to implement it in this game or not, uh, he obviously didn't to me. It's always been about take what the defense gives. And for the most part, Lamar has been like that. Yes. Right now. I don't know. We'd have to ask him, are you reluctant to run? Somebody would have to ask him that. But I'd say if there's an overarching theme from year one to now, he's mostly been like, I just want to win. Like, yes, I prefer to throw, but I want to win. 
He's never said, I want to win in a certain way. Do you know what I mean? So, but Absolutely. I, can't speak for, I can't speak for Lamar. He would have Neither to answer that I. question. You know what I mean? The reason why I ask, the reason why I ask is speaking to his philosophy, taking what the defense gives him. Mm-hmm. While I, I agree with you, he's done that throughout the majority mm-hmm. of this, this past season. I didn't feel like that was the case as much on Sunday. For sure. I, I, that I agree with because there were so many open lanes. And obviously, right. uh, obviously OBJ saw that. And so OBJ right. said something. Yes. So I agree within this game, it didn't feel like he did that, which is what I think people, uh, s- specifically Ravens fans, are, are commenting on. I agree. Yeah. What I'm more commenting on is the motivation behind it because everybody keeps having theories of why it went out when it went that way. And right. RG3 is saying my theory is that he was just trying to go through his progressions. Right. And that matches up with saying. that matches up with the past. Outside influence has never impacted him when it comes to his on field right. play. Very right. little. He's, very he's, little. He's ge- yes, very li- generally speaking, he likes to block out noise. Right. So, and you but hope that I that's will still again, the case. get out there. He does. He has said he prefers to throw than run, but he, but, and I'm repeating myself now, but more than anything, he just wants to win and he'll take what the defense gives. That's been the more overarching thing to me. And during one of his most recent press conferences, I can remember playing the answer for you um, or for us. He yeah. said, You know, I heard it. You know, I heard it. Remember, I think yeah. it was somebody, somebody asked him about what was the question? It was, Oh, the MVP speculation. Or, or no, I'm sorry. It was after the Houston. It was the Houston post-game press conference when a reporter uh-huh. asked him, hey, there were a lot of people that felt like you and the Ravens were not capable or built to perform the way you do in the regular season in the postseason. Right. Know, what do you make of that noise? He goes, you know I heard that. You yeah. know I heard that. He interjected the reporter. So, again, you hope that he's not being influenced. It's not that he doesn't see all this stuff. He consumes it and I, sees it. I guess where I have a hard time – like, yes, he sees it. How could he escape it? It's literally everywhere. If you're There's on no social media, <laughs> he can't escape it, so he sees it. The question right. is, Bobby, if if your theory is that the narratives played so much that he listened to the critics more than, say, somebody like OBJ, I'm not buying no, 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 that. No. I'm not no, no, buying no, I'm not that either. because OBJ's clearly – and what's crazy about this that OBJ's a receiver – He's got a reputation on the line, right? Yeah. It, of course, he wants the ball. What wide receiver? I would never have guessed OBJ of three years ago would go up to his quarterback and say, hey, run, don't pass it to me. You know what I mean? And he didn't yeah. say it in those words, but that's essentially what he's saying. He's like, run. You change the dynamic of the game when you run. And most receivers are like, don't run, throw it to me. So that's just another like A-plus moment for OBJ in my mind. Another selfless moment. Right there in the AFC Championship yeah. game, right? For the record, so, for the record, I don't, I'm not buying into that narrative whatsoever yeah. when it comes to the outside influence. But what I will say is, I've been very puzzled this week thinking about the reluctance. And, and again, I hate to use the word reluctance. We, we, we've probably been overusing the word reluctance because that's making an assumption yeah. that he was extending plays to pass it because he didn't want to run. That's an assumption. Correct. Probably it's not an true. That he not only wanted to win, but wanted to win in a certain way. And I don't exactly. know that that's true. And right. what I'm pointing out here is RG3 is saying that's not what he saw. Yep. Right? Yep. So okay. let's get to the second slide of RG3. Okay, the second, the, second <laughs> the, the last two tweets I'm going to read. Uh, he says, Lamar Jackson learned to manage the game this year better than he ever has before. Now, I want to pause really quick. 
We've, we've talked about this one because we've talked about Brock Purdy. Like at the end of the day, all quarterbacks have to manage the game. That's literally part of the job description. Like you're getting the calls, you're getting the guys in the right spot. You got to be on time. So everybody has to manage the game. So you have, that's like base level, right? But then there's like Superman level that you add on to that, that most quarterbacks cannot add on to. Like Patrick Mahomes can, can be Superman. Lamar Jackson can be Superman. Uh, I've seen Josh Allen become Superman before, right? So, like, everybody has to manage the game. So, he's saying that he felt like Lamar learned to manage the game this this year even better. After this loss, many will try to tell him what he isn't. Now, he just has to make sure he doesn't ever forget who he is and why he is here. God blessed him with a skill set like no other. Lamar Jackson gave everything he had in the AFC Championship. The Ravens needed Lamar to be Superman, but didn't let him use all his powers. They should have attacked with his arm and legs. There is no QB in the NFL like him. Don't let any team forget that next time. And I 1,000% agree with that, which is why I mentioned yesterday that my agenda this offseason is to get even the most ardent Lamar Jackson um, Lamar Jackson um, fans to celebrate not just games where he throws for 300 plus and throws for 400 passing touchdowns and five. Let's celebrate that. But let's also celebrate when he has 100 rushing yards and two rushing TDs and 150 passing yards and one passing TD. That's where I want to get at and to be unapologetic for it. And anytime somebody says your quarterback is a running back, just say, watch this. You can't stop him. You know what I mean? Like who cares about that? Like, I don't care how the production comes. You just want to be complete. And that's what makes him special is that you don't know which one to, to um, defend against. You don't know which one. And so you don't want the Ravens or Lamar, um, however that went down or why it went down, we don't know for sure. But for whatever reason, it went down and it can't ever happen again. He's got to be able to attack with both. And who cares about anybody calling him a running back if he happens to go off for 100 yards and two rushing TDs and just adds 150 passing? That's what makes him special. I hope year seven of Lamar Jackson and the Ravens learn how to conquer what's become an Achilles heel. And that's something I mentioned earlier in the week. And that is when they get punched in the mouth first, right? When they get out bullied, that they have a response. Mm-hmm. That they have a response for that because too often, too often they've gone on these unbelievable runs this year where they're ripping apart teams. They're destroying NFC, the NFC champion San Francisco 49ers on Christmas night in front of an entire audience. The Jaguars, the Seahawks, you name it. And yet you get to a do or die game and you haven't played a ton of football throughout the year where you've been down early and punched in the mouth and for whatever reason, We've seen it in 2019. We've seen it in 2023. Rear its ugly head. I would love for them, on top of putting more playmaking ability around him this offseason, come up with a solution for that. Let's hear from Torrey Smith, who had some good things to say with Kay Adams about this entire thing and the narrative that's constantly following around Lamar. How do we we get these narratives to stop? Uh, I think the narrative can easily stop by watching the games. We're talking about a guy that's going to hold up an MVP trophy in two weeks, mm-hmm. right? So I think sometimes it's so easy to focus on, man, they didn't get it done in this game. If you can go a full NFL season, by the way, for a guy that's this young, and go with losing only one game 
and then go again while losing only three games. You mean to tell me you can't win a playoff game? Right? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. He's proven it. He won last week, played well the week before that. Like, it's just one of those things where, to me, it's mind-blowing because when that person fails, you try to pile it all on him. This is a guy that's proven that he's a winner. His winning percentage is up there with the best of him over his duration of playing. So, to me, I think it's a little overrated. It's just about getting it done. And they did not get it done this week in a tough loss. And he did not play the way that he's capable of playing. And at the end of the day, to me, I view it as one game. I don't think mm. if this was a team and Lamar was a quarterback that hadn't led his team to victories plenty of time, right? 500-type team, barely sneaking into the playoffs. I would say that. But this is a guy that's had bye weeks at home twice. Right, he's a big time player in this game, and he's going to be for a long time. RG three's got his back. Torrey Smith's got his back. Kyle Hamilton from the Pro Bowl's got his back. We all know that he's the best player in this league. Uh, I guess this was actually said during his exit press conference. Now he's down in Orlando getting ready for the Pro Bowl, but uh, but yeah, so just some, so, some perspective there. Yeah, definitely some perspective. Uh, in terms of narratives, there's going to be some people that it's just going to keep moving the goalpost. You can't win a playoff game. Well, he's he just won one. He just, I mean, he, I mean, he's won two, right? You know, like it, it, it's it's silly. And and so he says narratives will change by watching the game. I think that's partly true, except for those that like are just like Super Bowl or nothing. And then if he wins the Super Bowl, I mean, even after Joe Flacco won the Super Bowl, he still had his critics. So there's going to be some narratives that never go away. Um, oh, yeah. But I 1,000% agree with Tori. In no way, shape, or form have I given up even where, even close on Lamar Jackson. And I agree with Hamilton. He is still one of the best players in this league. Right up there with the best of the best. And if he can win... As much as he has, of course he can do it in the big game. And he keeps inching closer. First it was wild card, then a couple divisions, and now AFC Championship game. He, he without a doubt in my mind, is going to get there. No way are, am I joining this, this avalanche of criticism of these narratives that he can't do it. I 1,000% think he can and will. And remember, like we're not, we're in the boat where we're we're holding him and the offense accountable, but that mm -hmm. doesn't take away from our belief that he can one day get there. He's got Correct. time. That's where we're at. We've held him accountable. Same same way we've held Todd and John and the entire offensive staff accountable for something mm -hmm. that was inexplicable. We've already covered that. Let's move on to something that has already been covered, but there's more layers to it. But before we do, and that is the Travis Kelsey, Pat Mahomes, and Justin Tucker saga. That somehow is continuing. But before we do, as we mentioned at the top, our newest brand sponsor is our friends at Manta Sleep. And this right here, Sarah, is something if you told me a year ago, because they've been a Bobby Baltimore sponsor and now they're a sponsor of the vault. And if you told me a year ago that starting this partnership, that I would be a daily, nightly user of a sleep mask, I would have told you you're crazy. But I, I swear, I cannot sleep without it now. I don't know if it's a mental thing. I don't know if it's comfort thing. It's definitely a comfort thing. I'll tell you this right now. You got a true 100% blackout for a, a deeper sleep with this mask. You got basically C-shaped eye cups for unbeatable side sleep comfort if you want to be on your side. If you want to be on your back or stomach, that's fine too. Uh, there's zero pressure on the eyelids or lashes. Advanced materials and ventilation for unmatched breathability. I mean, this is—it's got everything you possibly want. Yours are on the way, so I'm excited to hear what you have to say over the next month or so. But literally, I've gone from not even thinking about wearing one to now, like I don't want to not wear one, and it's super simple. <laughs> 
All you got to do, bang, just like that. It's comfortable. <laughs> it's adjustable. And we appreciate Mantis Sleep for believing in what we're building. And the best part for you, the Vault subscriber, if you use our code using the link that we have included for you in the show notes, you'll get 10% off your next purchase. That is Vault 10, V-A-U-L-T, one zero. All right, let's get to the conversation that, again, has been ongoing, but <laughs> here we are again. So, and here's here's the reason why. In this new age where players have their own shows, they can control the narrative during the week. So Travis and Jason, who literally have an unbelievably popular show, like New Heights has exploded. I saw on YouTube, they're already over 2 million subscribers. And sure, it helps when brothers are two of the best games and the you know best players in the league or at least the two of the best personalities in the league but actually at their respective positions they're two of the greatest of all time when it comes to the center and the tight end position anyway here they are talking about everything that happened with justin tucker pregame we're warming up and we do our same warm-up every single time on our side of the field for those of you that don't know what happens in pregames the ravens have their side of the field and the chiefs have our side of the field now specialists because of like the wind factor and yeah, they go to where both you are, sides they get they get a up. chance to kick at, at both field goals and kind of punt from both sides of the field. But it's always if you're if you're trying to go onto the other team's designated area, you kind of stay out of their way. You know, you you don't you don't interfere with what they have going on. That is the unwritten rule. That's the unwritten rule. If you want to be a it you keep your helmet and your football and your <laughs> kicking tee right where the quarterbacks are warming up and they're yeah. dropping eyes are looking left and they got a, a helmet down by their feet it's actually kind of dangerous really but like if you're not going to pick that up i'll happily move that for you justin came out and he said it was more of a joking gesture and kind of a fun competitive and i get it i mean he was kind of winking at me like being about it like trying to get under the skin yeah he knew what he was doing i get it, it but it got under me, skin and, a little me bit. and pat we were we've been having the same mentality for this game all week long man yeah and it was uh you got to go in there and 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 have the right mind frame have yeah. the right mindset and we just weren't in a joking mood um we yep. were ready to get after it and uh so justin sorry if we took it to <laughs> a level that you didn't think it'd get to that play but if you're gonna be a <laughs> i promise you i can <laughs> I can one-up you every time. Oh, you sure can, Travis. Uh, he also went on to say, don't paint me as the bad guy. He was poking the bear. So, again, this full conversation is courtesy of, of the latest episode on the New Heights podcast. Do you have any kind of reaction to what you're watching well, there? Well, well, we're running out of time, so we won't play the whole thing. But Patrick Mahomes also went on Kansas City Radio, um, 610 Sports. Uh, and he basically said that... Um, there's been three times in his NFL career where a kicker's warming up there, and all three times it was against Justin Tucker. So I bring that up because that corroborates what Justin said, which is that I've been warming up the same way for 12 years. And that's why I grabbed this screen grab. I can't tell you how many fans I've seen put on Twitter I, and it, from different games, right? So this one's in Titans. I've seen one where he was at the Eagle Stadium. I've seen one at a T-Bank Stadium. But I grabbed this one because he's literally kicking from the exact spot where this is all going down against KC. But he's over there with the Titans and he's kicking from the goal line in the exact same spot, right? And so the idea is that he starts very short as in his warm-up and then he moves back. And so here's, here's my take on it. 
This is very Roquan-esque where it's like, hey, the train was on the tracks and you just got on the tracks. So what I'm hearing from Justin is, this is what I do all the time for the last 12 years. And then Patrick Mahomes is like, well, this is the way I've warmed up each time in the last six years. So they're both used to being in the same spot and both their tracks collided. And so then the trains collided and then Kelsey wanted to jump in there too. So to me, it's all pettiness, right? So not a big deal to me, all pettiness. But then there's a bully aspect to it all. Oh, yeah. And Travis is basically saying that, first of all, Justin, I don't remember ever saying, hey, I was messing with them. He said the whole thing is no. silly. He said the whole thing is silly. This is the way I've been warming up. So he's he didn't say I was messing with them. But he did have a smile when Kelsey moved this, his stuff. But I don't know if that's like, you know, like an evil grin or just like, okay, that's what you're going to do to my stuff, you know. So it's all petty. Both tracks had been laid. Neither Justin wanted to move, nor did Mahomes and Kelsey. So then it became a thing. Kelsey, they, they took it to another level. And, um, and so to me, at the end, he was definitely being a bully where he was saying, hey, it's all good, Justin. Maybe you didn't know it was going to go this way, but if you're going to be a D, then I promise you I can one-up. That's a threat. So oh, totally. to, me, to me, it's like, okay, well, I need a rematch then. I need a rematch. and I, You're going to get it. I'm going to be 100%. I know people hate Kelsey right now. To me, it's the offensive version of Roquan. So I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Like, he's basically saying, you got on, you got in my way, and I just had to take care of business, right? Okay. So here we go. Let it begin. We're gonna, it's what you just said. Both teams like to be bullies. KC won this, won this, and it hurts and it sucks, but he did. And so, but you're not, but don't threaten that they can't, he can't be there again. Like, we're not going to do that, right? So you can't cower to a bully. you got to stand <laughs> up to a bully. So when they get the chance, they're going to have to do that. And well, and until they prove otherwise, he's going to continue to bully. Well, you're going to get a chance. They're going to rematch next year. So here we I, go. <laughs> I, I was going to bring that up later in Quick Hits, but that is yes. correct. And we'll get to that in yes. just a second. There was also this from the Pat McAfee Show. And then both the football people... Hey. Oh. hey, Justin Tucker was going to beat your ass, dude. <laughs> he was going to beat your ass. You know that. Hey, Pat, he's going to beat your I'll, ass. I'll tell you, but Pat, me and, me and Patrick were on the sideline in the fourth quarter when Tucker had that chance to cut the lead to one score. If he would have missed that field goal, we were 100% getting a 15-yard flag. <laughs> we were of gonna, course he made it, of course. He can't let us have any fun. He yeah. have any fun, man. Yeah, and of course. We were always 1,000% getting flagged for that one. Could you yeah. imagine you two sprinting on the field? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your guys' relationship is sweet, too. Yeah. You and Patrick. Uh, you right, an absolutely beautiful thing. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Okay. Is that is that pretty much covered at this point, right? Can we move yeah, on Yeah, hopefully now? it's done. Then we'll move on from the pettiness until next time they meet. And uh, But I will just say that is kind of funny because to Justin's credit, even though the offense didn't show up, he didn't give him a chance to do that. He didn't get rattled. He stood up to him. He made his kick when it was his turn. And at the time, it, you know, the game was still in, in reach. He did what he was supposed to do. Ice in his veins in those big moments. Good for Justin. There you go. And by the way, the, the, both Kelsey brothers too. I actually, I got down a rabbit hole at the gym this morning and I listened to a big chunk of the episode and, and they did call him the greatest of all time and yeah. it's inarguable and all these things. So, you know, some stuff gets blown out of proportion. Let's get to something that you cannot blow out of proportion because it's reality. And that is the <laughs> fact that Mike McDonald is Seattle bound. The 36 year old two-time, what, two-time defensive coordinator in the NFL. He was the youngest then. He's the youngest NFL head coach now in the league. He's going to be joining the Seattle Seahawks. Marlon Humphrey reacting with, uh, I knew that locker room hug was the last one. And Patrick Queen, who spoke glowingly of Mike whenever he gets an opportunity to this past season. Mike Mack, nobody more deserving. So he is, uh, he's officially, I don't believe the team has announced anything yet, but John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta will inevitably be asked about this during the 11 a.m. end of season press conference on Friday, which reminds me to tell everybody. And maybe by then they'll have already named their new defensive coordinator. We don't know. Yeah, we'll see how quickly they're willing to work. But uh, but like, let's just remind everybody: we'll do our instant reaction live stream as soon as we gather. You know the notable clips from that end of season press conference. So be on the lookout for that sometime in the 12 o'clock hour. On Friday, we'll, we'll let you know what's going on. Two two names that Corbin Smith, a reporter out in Seattle, is hearing about who Mike could be bringing over with him as far as his offensive and defensive coordinators are concerned. T. Martin and Zach Orr. T is the yeah. Q quarterbacks coach. His first year as the quarterbacks coach with Lamar this past season. He's been on the staff for a few years now, as has Zach Orr, former player, inside linebackers coach that we had such a good conversation with. I felt like weekly down the stretch with Roquan, you know, about his impact and, uh, and, and just how, you know, young and bright of a mind he has. So this is kind of the, the reality of it, right? That just because one domino falls doesn't mean others may not follow as well. 
No, no, they definitely will. Zach, the Zach or one, again, we don't know what's going to happen until it happens. Sometimes there can be reports everywhere. So who knows if this will happen, but I anticipated more of the defensive staff leaving with Mike McDonald. So Zachary or isn't, wouldn't be surprising. It, it'd be heartbreaking, but it wouldn't be surprising. T Martin though. I don't like that because he's quarterbacks coach. The next one up is offensive coordinator. So to me, that sounds like perhaps an offensive coordinator position. I'd hate to see T go. That's for sure. Schefter also noted that, as we've talked about this week, defensive backs coach Denard Wilson is one of the most in-demand candidates out there. So he instantly becomes an option to become Mike Mack's replacement in Baltimore. Anthony Weaver has to be in that conversation. Chris Hewitt, a bunch of people that we've mentioned on this star-studded staff that we've had so much conversation about in recent weeks. So, And I've mentioned, anyway, I we'll, mentioned Weaver I thought might be the, the leading candidate in Baltimore, but maybe it is Denard Wilson. I mean... Uh, so many people talk about how when Wilson left the Eagles, how their defensive backs room is just like collapsed. So right. maybe, maybe he's the guy. I don't know. And remember too, Anthony is still in the conversation for what it's worth down in Washington for the commander's right. loan vacancy. That's, that's the loan vacancy around the league in terms of head coach. So be on the lookout for that too, because he, he could still be in play. Joe Hortiz, former director of player personnel who Jim Harbaugh just plucked to be his new general manager out there in L.A. with the Chargers. Looks like he he may have some influence here. Um, Daniel Popper and Jeff Zarebeck are on this, that the Chargers are hiring Ravens player evaluation and analytics manager Corey Crowick. He'd been in Baltimore since 2013, a whole decade, and now he's going to be heading over to L.A. to join them. And, and this could very well be, you know, some influence here from Ortiz, because remember, Joe had been in Baltimore since 1998, like we talked about. So lots of relationships in that building, Sarah. Listen, it is – when you are successful, people will pluck you, pluck you, pl just take take everything they can where, when they can and where they can. So that is the downside of being successful, and it would probably be less hurtful if the Ravens had gone all the way, but they didn't. So, But nonetheless, clearly the league – loves uh what's going on in baltimore yep now the challenge is to do what philly couldn't last year right their their staff got absolutely raided uh in the in eagles land and they just were not able to sustain all year long i don't know how much of a factor that was and ultimately them falling short of the goal but we'll see if john harbaugh can quickly assemble a new staff assuming that it's going to be looking pretty different here personnel wise over the next couple weeks the 2024 season as we start to look ahead a little bit away opponents feature <laughs> aforementioned Kansas City, like we said, rematch, revenge, perhaps. It's got to happen this time in Arrowhead. Uh, Dallas, Pittsburgh, of course. Cleveland, of course. Cincinnati, of course. The LA Chargers, the Jim and John Bowl, for the second time in regular season history. The other one happened in the Super Bowl. New York Giants, Tampa Bay, and Houston. Those are your away opponents. Home will feature Philadelphia, Denver, Cleveland, of course. Cincinnati, of course. Washington, Vegas, I was going to say uh, Oakland, Vegas, Buffalo, <laughs> and Pittsburgh. So I always look Bobby. at this, Be More Around go Town. Ahead, go ahead. You know, my, my people at Be More Around Town, the reason why I ended up going to London, because they, they sponsored that trip. I always look at this from their vantage point. I'm like, all right, what's the best away site? Right. Jerry's world is unreal, as we all know, down in Dallas. Okay. The Harbaugh Bowl, being that it's in L.A., and that's probably going to be a primetime game between brothers is going to be unreal. Tampa's in Florida. If that happens late in the year, that's awesome. And 
yeah, all the in-division opponents can go. I mean, those those are not fun places to visit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, well, first of all, yeah, from that perspective, it's like some pretty cool travel experiences. Also, though, and again, you never know how people will change year to year, but KC is still going to be a juggernaut. That's The away opponents are brutal. KC is still going to be a juggernaut. Dallas hasn't succeeded much in the postseason, but always seems to do well in the regular season, right? Yep. Uh, similar to the narrative in Baltimore. I already felt like the Chargers were good with Herbert, but now with Jim, you got to like already assume that he's going to make them better, right? Houston will be a rematch. Ravens just played them in the divisional round. Then yeah. it doesn't matter about divisional rounds what their records are because you just know each other so well. I mean, and who knows what will happen with the Giants and, and Tampa, right? This year they were not phenomenal. I mean, I, Tampa eventually made it to the playoffs, but it's not like they were like the, – striking fear into opponent but i mean that away schedule is crazy and then who knows if the, for the home if the eagles are going to bounce back i mean bills josh allen coming to town i mean that's a lot of tough opponents right there oh remember you know you know how it goes when you win the division you get strength mm -hmm. of schedule strength yep. of schedule is not exactly your friend when you win the division so that's just kind of the reality but that is your early look at the 2024 season and speaking of early looks the Orioles fan base is getting an early look at a new era, and I can't tell you, it could not have happened, assuming that a lot of our listeners and subscribers and viewers enjoy both teams in town, the Orioles and Ravens. I can't imagine a better situation timing-wise than for the announcement that John Angelos is selling the team to come like 48 hours after heartbreak. So like, yeah. hopefully, if, if you're one of those out there who are a dual fan, this provided a little bit of therapy for you. So the Orioles made it official on Wednesday. The Angelos family is selling a controlling stake in the franchise to Baltimore billionaire and a private equity guru, David Rubenstein. He owns the Carlisle Group. Really impressive guy. He is going to be joined by the following. Cal Ripken Jr., Mike Bloomberg, NBA Hall of Famer Grant Hill, Kurt Schmoke, the former mayor of Baltimore, and Washington Spirit owner Michelle King. There's a couple other people in there, but those are your notable names. And so um, you never really know what's what's to come. There's nothing guaranteed. But I think Sarah, and as you know, probably as a resident in, in the town for you know over a decade, you knew that, or at least maybe you heard rumblings that there was just such a, a level of dysfunction within the yeah. ownership group of the Orioles that almost any change would be welcomed. And then when you make it a change that's a Baltimorean, that's somebody who comes from a spending background, all Baltimore really wants is for him to retain the young core that they currently have, right? Gunnar Henderson and Adley and, 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 and Grayson and all these up-and-coming players. They want you to take some chances and spend some money. You do those invest. three things and you yeah. still lose. Right, and you invest in the club and, 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 they, and, you, and you don't ultimately bring them to World Series titles or whatever. I think they can live with it. Baltimore can live with that. Hopefully, for their sake, they are able to reach the pinnacle of baseball, and that is what he plans to do in his press release, is what he stated. But that's all Baltimore wants. And and unfortunately, they have not gotten a whole lot of that in, in these last years and years and years worth under Angelo's ownership. So that would anyway, be, that would wanted be to be sure to- frustrating. I love that Steve Bashotti always spends the cap right. Real quick, did you yeah. mention a purchase way, price? Was there a price? Got the orange right here, There baby. you go. You got the orange on the Orioles orange. Did you uh, mention yeah, a purchase over. price? Yeah, over $1.7 And it should be noted that I think for tax purposes, 
Angelos is going to control, I believe, 40% for the time being until his father, Peter, passes. He's been in ailing health for years. Could be any day. Don't know. Um, don't know if there's anything related to the timetable of this with, with how he's doing or not doing. But but so he'll he'll still be involved. Yeah. But I think people are just so – they're feeling the rejuvenation, the sigh of relief that it comes with, okay, there's a new controlling owner in terms of who's going to be doing – baseball operations who's going to be making decisions who's going to be spending the money and so I, I think it's just an exciting time for baltimore my hope is that it means you know the best is yet to come for this new era of orioles baseball we're rocking this for a reason and uh yeah appreciate you letting me fit that in before we jump oh, i'm glad we did glad we did it's big huge huge news for baltimore yep so friday morning vault awaits we will then a few hours later instantly react to the end of season press conference That'll come sometime afternoon. And uh, yeah, it was anything but the first week of offseason. And and I assume that's going to continue. You and I are going to be in Vegas next week. We're lining up some special guests. Uh, shout out to our guy, and soon to be your guy too, but my guy goes way back, Jake Asman, who covers the Jets in the YouTube space. He is making this all happen for us. And we are going to be out experiencing Radio Row for the first time at Super Bowl 58. So for my co-host, Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this Thursday morning vault. Uh, we're glad you're here. Special thanks to Mantis Sleep for being our newest brand sponsor. Go check them out using the link that we have included in the show notes below. And uh, yeah, please like, subscribe, turn on that notification bell, all that good stuff. <laughs>